I'm giving this sermon the title of the series today. I don't often do that, but I, it's, it's the crux of the whole book. We're coming to the city of Jericho and the walls falling down now in this book. And I'm calling it Unstoppable. Our God is unstoppable, and we're unstoppable if we follow him in faith and obedience. Now, if you take any, either one of those out of the quote, quotient, uh, we're not unstoppable. But if you have faith in him and you follow him and you have obedience to him, you will win ultimately. This story is a story of war. I want to be careful to couch it, though, in terms of spiritual warfare for us and not physical warfare. We see the difference in 2 Corinthians 10.3. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So ours is a spiritual battle, not a physical battle, but we can learn things from this physical battle because God is showing us truth through them. We're talking about the walled city of Jericho, and you know, there are walls in our lives. There there are places where there's uh, difficulty and we can't break through. A place of hopelessness or maybe a place of defeat that has happened in the past and we don't think we can conquer it. I don't know if you remember the story of the 12 spies, but 10 of them said, the cities are walled and the giants are great. We can't go there. We feel that way sometimes. Maybe it's the rebuilding of a marriage where there's a struggle. Maybe a child is away from the Lord. Maybe your self-esteem has been crushed because your perceived lack of success in your life. Perhaps you don't have enough income to take care of your family and meet the needs from month to month. Maybe the ministry, ministry dream that God gave you doesn't seem obtainable right now. It looks so far away. And there's many, many other things that can be something fortified against us and we don't know how that wall will go down. Well, this story today helps us to have faith and believe in God. To bring down walls in our lives, we need to remember these things. And the first is this. You have to remember that faith fights from victory, not for it. What I mean by that is the battle's already won when you know Jesus Christ. If, if you will follow him, you will win the battle. Look at Joshua 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. So before they go into the battle, he tells them, Look, it's, do you see it? It's done. Well, that, that seems like it'd be hard for some of us to receive. But faith fights from victory. They already had the victory because they were trusting God, and they had decided to follow him, and he was going to do it. Hebrews 11.30 answers the question, what made the walls fall down here? Was it the shout? Was it the marching seven times? Here's what it says in the faith chapter. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. It was faith that won the battle. Faith in God and obedience to his plan. You need to know and believe. Now listen to me. When it comes to those obstacles in your life, you need to know and believe that you are God's child. And that when you stand with God, your father, you win. That is a stance of fighting from victory, not just for it, but from it. You're already his. 
He already loves you. He wants to help in this scenario that you face. Look at how he thinks of you. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. You are a child of God. If you know Jesus Christ and you've accepted him into your heart and life, you're a child of God. And you need to understand that he loves you very much and his eyes are upon you. He cares about everything that you go through. You're not bothering him when you share something. He's not a mere mortal, not like a man where there's too much that can be put upon him. He wants to hear all of your heart's cry. Then it says to his children in 1 John 5, 4, for every child of God, so you're his child, defeats the evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. So you're a child of God and you defeat the enemy and the things of this world and you achieve victory when you have faith and belief in God your Father who loves you so much and is all powerful. That is faith that you have to keep in your heart that he loves you, that he's for you and as you follow him, he'll show you the way and you'll get victory. Have faith in him. What they did here is they claimed his promise. He said, you do these things, you move on my behalf, you do it just like I said, and I will bring you victory. And they claimed that promise. That was a promise to them from God. They claimed it and went forward, and he gave them victory. Romans 8, 37. No, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. You're victorious as well. And if we're not careful, our fear will say, that's too big in my life. That addiction. That relationship that's broken. It's too big. Fear looks at the wall and says it's too big. Faith looks at God and says, I know he's bigger. And so we must approach these things, those those four to five walls, those trouble spots with faith to know that God is bigger than any problem I face. He loves me as hard as towards me and he's going to help me. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this, for the eyes of the Lord Range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, I'm not talking about you just grabbing something out of the air that you want and telling him what you want. I'm talking about seeking him in that hard place in your life, looking for him to give you an answer and following him. And when you're fully committed to him, he looks for people like you to strengthen you to overcome. People that are fully committed, having faith, Walking in obedience, saying, Lord, show me the way. Sometimes we win battles for him. Sometimes we overcome the obstacles in our own life, but it's the same answer. Faith and obedience, full commitment to him. And fear can overtake us if we're not careful. So last Saturday, I had a unique memorial service that I um, officiated in Eugene, Oregon. Um. It was a tragic event where a young man, 31 years old, was shot and killed. And um, I was called by a friend to do this service. Nobody in this immediate family was really a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'm doing this for a friend. I feel called to do it. I feel like I asked the Lord, you know, I'm busy, but I felt like he said do it. And so I'm preparing for this service, and I start to get emails from the other brothers and sisters And they're saying things like this, uh, we don't want this to be too religious. We don't want uh, too much scripture. What are you going to say? Show us the Bible passages that you're going to do. We want all the religions to feel comfortable if they come to this. 
So I, uh, I tried a really uh, uh, intelligent thing at first. I just tried to ignore the emails. <laughs> and that didn't work because they just kept coming. I, they were nervous. And, and so um, I, I, I tried to, with, with prayer and, and a heart that God would have for these people, put together something. I told them I'll try to be careful, but here's my passages that I'm going to share and it's okay with me. We're coming anyway because they were friends, right? We're coming to the service. It's okay with me if you want someone else to do it, but this is what I have planned and we'll be a part of the, we'll, we'll be their support no matter what. What I was really saying in the nicest way is if I can't share this stuff, I don't want to share. <laughs> I'm just, you know, because I, 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 I need to be able to do this, but, if, but that's cool. If you, if, you, if you guys, you know, it doesn't seem tolerable to you. But I didn't, so I sent it, didn't get a thing back. So I just went that, that day and I was kind of, sick going there, and I felt like the enemy was battling me, and felt better just before, but I walked into a, into a, a, a scenario that I'm not very familiar with these days. These people partied in a whole different way than I did, and they, they, lived, uh, they lived their lives in, in a different way than, than I'm familiar with, and, and so in the service, as I was emceeing, we are doing kind of a sharing time, there was cursing as people were sharing, you know, even in, in humor sometimes. And, and then there was, there was a drunk person getting up and blurting out. I mean, this is an unusual atmosphere. And to top it all off, where they had me speaking from, they put a big poster of this guy's idol who had passed away. And it was Bob Marley. And the poster, he was rolling a joint. So my wife has a picture of me standing there with Bob Marley rolling, <laughs> rolling a joint as I'm sharing the words, you know. Someone asked me, did it feel funny? Were you afraid? I wasn't afraid, and it didn't feel funny. As a matter of fact, I thought when I walked in, Jesus, I think this is a place that you would be if you were here on this earth. And I asked that he would let his love just explode so people could know who he was, because not very many of them have really seen or known the presence of the Lord. So I did have to be delicate, right? Because the, the family does have their wishes. And, but I, I got up and I shared these two things. I, I, first I said, you know, this guy was a mechanic who passed away. And if I, had, if I had a car that needed to be worked on, I'd take it to him because he could get it fixed. I want you to know that what I'm about to share with you comes from the heart of a person who works regularly with people in crisis and is in these situations quite a bit where there's a loss. And as a professional, I'd like to share with you some things that I know will really help you as you go through this. And the first was this, came right from the word, love one another. You need one another through this time. And several people, even there, had already given testimony to that. We need each other. So I affirm that. The second point was, let God love you through this. And then I shared the scripture about the Prince of Peace and how Jesus is that prince, and Jesus wants to help you, and he gives peace like this world can't give, and he gives peace that passes all understanding, and God wants to wrap his loves, or his arms of love around you, comfort you, and help you through this right now, and though I couldn't do an altar call, I didn't feel like they, that that would be acceptable there, and I don't, don't want to offend, right, it's their service, I did say, perhaps you can say along the way, maybe sometime today, Jesus, Prince of Peace, would you please help me get through this? And now I'm praying that the seeds that were planted there will just come alive. And you know what? People were coming up to me telling me about experiences that they had with God and churches they attended when they were young. And they, they loved me when it was all over. I didn't know how it would go. 
But you know, I was fighting of I, I was fighting from a place of victory, not for victory that day. I know who I am in Christ. I know that Jesus only wants to love these people and touch them. I'm not afraid to go in there because I, I know He's with me and I know He wants to be with them. Sometimes we look at areas that are difficult in our lives and fear will rise up, but we need to fight from victory, knowing who we are in Him. Second. Corinthians 2, verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in victory through Christ. God uses us to spread his knowledge everywhere like a sweet-smelling perfume. He gives us victory even in situations like that. The child of God has faith that victory is coming. They feel confidence because of their understanding of what Jesus has done on the cross already. He's already defeated every spiritual enemy. Remember this as you fight your battle. You're not fighting, you are rather fighting from victory, not for it. You're his. You're in his hands. That victory has been won for Joshua in this passage. And he says, see, I've given it to you. <clears throat> and all his people did was claim the promise and obey the Lord. And the walls came down. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 37. But in all these things, we have full victory through God who showed his love for us. Second thought today. <clears throat> There's no substitute <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> for obedience. There's no substitute for obedience in all the particulars. Now, James Montgomery Boyce wrote that line, and he's English, but I just thought it was a very cool line, so I wanted to use it today. In all the particulars. You know how we use that word. We're telling a story and we say it was important particularly here. And then you bring some specifics to the story that highlight it and make a difference. Well, God was giving some instruction here that doesn't seem to be necessary. He was very particular in his instructions that he gave the people. And here's what they are. Joshua 6.3, March around the city with your army once a day for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets made from horns of male sheep and have them march in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times and have the priests blow the trumpets as they march. They'll make one long blast on the trumpets and when you hear the sound, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will fall so that people can go straight into the city. Now, that sounds pretty pretty cool to us because most of us have heard that story at least 10 times through our lives. But I want you to think of, uh, of hearing it for the very first time if it was applied to your situation and not knowing this story. And you're hearing all those particulars that don't seem necessary. Well, God's big enough where he doesn't need to march around seven times. He can do it right now. Well, yeah, he can, but he decided he wanted this to happen. You say, well, we don't need it to happen that way. Well, when God lays out a plan, we must follow or we will not succeed. Now, there's obedience <clears throat> to the word and purity, which we've talked about that in past weeks already in this series. But there's another form of obedience in the particulars of the direction of our lives. There's a journey, there's a path, and it's different for every one of us. There are different things that we're supposed to do and different things that he's planned for us. And sometimes we pray and we just want it to happen now. And God says, yeah, I need you to do it my way because I'm going to bless you. Follow me. J. Hudson Taylor uh, 
Taylor's words, rather, about three different ways to serve the Lord go like this. First, we can make our best plans and hope that they succeed. A lot of people do that. Or we can go another route, and I think most people do this one, to make our own plans and ask God to bless them. That's what most Christians do. We talked about that last week. Don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Do what he's blessing. And then the third option, which is the right one to take, ask God for his plans and then do what he tells you to do. Now, I believe that when it comes to these areas that we want victory for Christ in, where we want to win souls, where we're doing that, or the areas where walls need to go down and we have trouble in our lives, that if we will approach God and ask him to give us his wisdom on this matter, invite him in, I believe that he'll lead us in some very particular ways. You say, how do you know that? Well, we have the word to guide us, right, for principle. But you know there's this thing called a word of prophecy that's still alive and and well in the body of Christ today, and it's real. And I know people do crazy, silly things, but I also know in 1 Corinthians 12, the Bible says that these are manifestations of the Spirit, and they're to help us, and they're beautiful, wonderful gifts. And I believe if you seek them, you can get good counsel from others. You can get the wisdom of the word. Sometimes the Lord will speak into a scenario specifically, and you get to weigh that word because if people get crazy and weird, you know, and, it, and it, it's not bearing witness, you can say, I don't, you know, that, that doesn't jive. But when you really seek him, you'll get a sense of a direction to go, and then you need to go that way. And it might just be some impressions about, you know, Lord, how do I approach my daughter who doesn't know you? And he might, he might lead you to the place of saying, I don't want you to approach her right now. I just want you to pray for her, and I have other people that are going to approach her. And, he, and that may just be for a season. I'm just saying, sometimes you try to do the good thing, but it's not the plan of the Lord that's the best thing in that moment. We need to walk out the call and the plan that God has in our lives in each area. And we need to have faith and obedience and trust that he'll show us the way and do our best to follow the plan of the Lord. <clears throat> I thought of this story two years ago. I was reading Circle Maker, the book by Mark Batterson. This was, this was a, not the same book. The, the book about 40 days of prayer came out of this book, but this one was written first. And in it, he has a passage this passage where he shares about the walls of Jericho and, and it's called the circle maker, the book is. And the idea is to circle things in prayer in your life and concentrate prayer around them and then follow the Lord and see his great things happen. That's the idea of the book. And he talked about Jericho and how God had them walk around. I just got this radical thing in my mind. People don't have to do this. It's really true, but God will honor when we're sincere, right? So, so here's what I decided to do. I, I had come to this point in my in my life as a pastor, it was 19 years at the time that I'd been the senior pastor here, 21 now. <clears throat> and I was, I, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, our church isn't growing anymore. I mean, we're growing as individuals, but, the, you know, in the New Testament, there were people added to the church daily. God, we're actually receding in number in this last year. And I decided that I would walk around our property here, 40 acres, <clears throat> six days one time, and, uh, and, then, and, and then on the seventh day, I would walk around this property seven times. And that I would pray the whole time and ask the Lord to give me wisdom. And I could say, you don't have to do it this way, but the Lord honors sincerity. And I just felt like I wanted to do it. So it's 1.2 miles around this piece of property. 
and there's not a clear path, so there's a lot of stickers out there. just want you to know. <clears throat> but I, I walk for six days. It takes about 20 minutes to walk around that 1.2 miles. And I prayed. And on the seventh day, 8.4 miles in two hours, I walked around praying. And here's what I was saying to the Lord. Lord, evidently, I don't know how to grow your church. Father, I need you to speak to me. I need you to lead me for your people's sake, for the people that are lost in our community. Would you help me? And you know, as often happens, the Lord will not only lead us to a thought, but he'll lead us to a person who he's prepared to talk to us. And a few days later, after all that prayer, Karen and I met with a pastor named Troy Jones in Seattle. And he gave a word. He said, the Lord's going to give you a new day. And he didn't even know all this journey that I'd been on. And God has these plans for this church. And boy, my spirit started to rise. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to settle in and listen to this guy for a while. If I'm, if I'm honest with you, and I like to be, uh, especially, you know, since I'm the pastor, uh, <clears throat> I had my attention on so many things around here in the last several years that my head was spinning. Getting the high school in place, 100 employees, uh, the development of all these things, working through the economy. And uh, in a sense, I don't think I had my hand enough to the pastor thing. I wanted to, but I'm spinning all these plates, right? Just running around. And, and I, but I just returned these last couple of years saying, I'm not going to spin plates anymore. I'm going to focus on being the pastor of this church. That's my call. As it turns out, I'm the president of this corporation and the executive officer, according to the bylaws. There's a $6 million budget and 100 employees. That's just stuff to do, right? With all the schools, church, daycare. And during this season, I just thought, I'm pulling away. I'm going to start to focus here. Lord, build your church. Troy started to coach me, and we came out with 2.10, the new horizon. 20 new things in my 20th year as a pastor. We did 10 new ministry things. We did 10 uh, 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 rehabilitation things on our facility. And we gathered, we regained momentum in that season. And then I'm talking about a journey, following the Lord, asking Him to show me. Then I believe that though, though I'd been spoken to by, by uh, the Assemblies of God who had said, we, we think you guys should consider multi-site, I'd, I'd been shared with by some friends who did multi-site, and I was slow to move towards it, I felt the Lord showing me, I do want you to do this. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm a real simple leader, and I'm a simple man in, in many ways. Just simple sermons is what I preach. As a leader for, for God, as a servant leader, there's really only one thing I do, and it's this. Try to find out where God is going and then move there with him. That's pretty much it. And sometimes that's not popular with some people, but that's really how it works. I'm trying to figure out what he's saying to do, and then I'm going to get in and do it when I have a good sense of it. And I'm telling you with the multi-site, this is what has happened to your pastor as your servant leader, that this was not my path, this is not what I chose, this is what the Lord brought and birthed through prayer as we move forward. And so this thing that just happened with Woodhaven, it does not surprise me because the Lord set us on a journey about a year and a half ago behind the scenes with the elders and the pastors to say, I want you to start. And then we started with this question. Well, then where do we start? And the Lord started to open doors and things started happening. 
And these things became more obvious. I feel like God has put us on this path. And as I share today, I'm sharing vision. Why would we do multi-site? Well, we're going to develop young leaders who will go into these locations. Because we'll be in Lake Oswego. We'll be in Progress Ridge or over there in that area. We'll move, and the heart is to cover southwest Portland. You go 15 or 20 minutes out from where we're at. Why? Two reasons. Number one, we're sending some people from here. So if it's more than 20 minutes, you won't go because people won't travel more than 20 minutes. And then on the other side of it, we're picking up another radius of 20 minutes to reach people. So now we can send a strong group of people there to start with some strong leaders that carry the same DNA. What is that? Grace and truth, word and spirit, that's the DNA. And then we'll gather people, and here's the deal. It's about souls. Stop thinking about just yourself. Let me admonish you. God wants to reach people. We are building the kingdom of God. We're not here just to make you comfortable. Sometimes you come here, I'm supposed to make you uncomfortable with the word of God. Maybe this is one of those moments. What about those souls that won't come? What about those hundreds and thousands of souls that we're going to reach? That's what it's about. And I'm going to tell you, when you get in and you start working to build God's kingdom, the greatest fulfillment of your life will come. And if you don't want to go to these sites, listen, I'm going to be here preaching every week. It's going to be just like that. We're going to have worship. You don't have to change a thing. But some of you will probably get a call to go to another location. It'll be Horizon in another location. It'll still be this church in another location. But God is going to do great and mighty things as we go forward. Will it be easy? I don't think so. They win this battle in a great fashion on this day, but they had several battles they have to fight to win the whole land. Hey, if I'd have known how hard it would be to get here, I don't think I would have started with all this stuff that we did for those seven years before we arrived here. And yet, it was the will of God, and he's doing some things. Joshua received and followed his orders, and the Lord gave Israel success. If they don't walk six times, and then seven on the seventh day, They don't see the miracle. If they doubt and question him, the victory doesn't come. We must obey him in the particulars of his process. They didn't make those up in their head. He gave them to them as they sought him, as they knew him, and then they followed, and he did it. And we must do that as a church. You must do that as an individual. Follow in obedience the path that he's laid out, even if it's not one that you would have chosen. Third thought, God's not just tearing down walls, he's building us up. Why does the process have to be long? Why can't we just shout and the walls fall? Why all the direction that doesn't seem to be that logical? Because he's building faith into his people and he's teaching them to rely on him. So let's talk about that for just a moment. If Joshua... And the people run up to the city, hit it with the battering ram, throw some ladders up on those walls, and climb on over and win. I'll bet you it had been a lot more tempting for them to sit around the fire that night and say something like this. We were good today. We took them out, man. Hey, bro, you got them. Good job. Give me some skin. You know, that sort of thing. 
But when God says, here's the way I want it to happen. I want you to march six days one time. I want you to keep the trumpets and the priests and do that. And then the seventh time, I want you to blow the trumpet. And when you shout, that's when the walls will fall. Who's going to get the credit for that one? You're not going to sit around the fire that night saying, look what we did. You're going to say, he made it so weird that the only thing we could do is recognize that it's him and he gets all the glory. So why would he take you through different steps in the way you want to go? Why would he make it longer? Why would he make it harder? Why would he do it in unique ways? Because when the timing, when the season comes, when you win, he wants you to know that he did it. And he wants us to give him the glory. As a matter of fact, if we don't give God the glory, he'll stop showing up. Here, the answer is in the results. Let's read from Joshua 6. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance. And I'm telling you, I feel like the Lord is saying to us at Horizon to advance. I feel like it's the multi-site in one of the ways we're going to advance in these communities, touching every community, just like we're doing with community care with our schools here, that we take it to every community. Here he said, advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. There was only eight acres around that city. We know that because archaeologists tell us. There were a million people. I don't know if they marched them all around, but I doubt it. They probably chose some because it'd take a long time for a million people to walk around once. Archaeologists tell us that there were two walls there. 12 to 15 feet tall. The first one was 6 feet wide. The second one behind it was 12 feet wide. So you got a little problem. This is why the spies said, I don't think we can take it. Because you climb over the first wall, you're in no man's land. They're shooting down at you. you got another wall to go over. Pretty hard to conquer. God took both walls out just to show that he was in charge. But the walls came, came down that day. There were thousands of enemy soldiers when they entered this city. And Joshua and the people followed that crazy, seemingly illogical plan that spared them casualties. That's one of the reasons you want to follow God's plan. It'll spare you a lot of pain if you follow him. And they followed him to the T. Verse 11, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the people returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. They're following it just like he said. Verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around... When the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute, so here she is. You remember this story. She gets saved because of the scarlet cord. Evidently, her place, her, her house in the wall, that part of the wall stood because they helped them down, it says later in the, in the passage. All in her house were spared because she hid the spies. And when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. They did it God's way with all the particulars, and the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. 
all the direction was to teach them to rely on God. He was showing them, do it my way. It might be unique, but when you follow me, you win. They would be successful not only in this area, but because they're learning this lesson, they'd be successful in other areas in their life because it's the way it works. We trust in him, we follow him, we obey him, and we win. Now you say, do we win in everything, just anything we want in our heads? No, because number one, sometimes we pray for things that aren't even the will of God. So we have to pray for understanding of the will of God, and we have to ask God to speak into it. Number two, there are some people who won't have faith in our family, so it can't be healed. Like if one person wants to stay married and it's the right thing, but the other one doesn't, God won't make the one who's not following him stay. And it will break a heart. But if we as individuals will follow God with our whole hearts personally to the best of our ability, you overall win in all areas of life. Even in those moments when others don't follow, God will help you through it and bring you blessing and victory on the other side. And when he has something he wants done, if we follow, we know we're following him and he accomplishes it. Joshua 21.45 says this, he kept every promise he made to the Israelites. Each one came true. They learned to claim those promises, to follow him, and every one of them came true. He showed them the path to success, faithfulness, and obedience. Romans 15.4 says this, Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. This story we're reading today was written to teach us. The scriptures give us patience and encouragement so that we can have hope. Hope in every situation we face. Following his path for our lives. Not choosing it ourselves, but following the one that he's giving us. That he's given us. Do you remember the name Kurt Warner? Some of you football fans might. Just five years before he played the Super Bowl as a quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, Kurt Warner was bagging groceries for $5.50 an hour. Warner didn't even earn the starting quarterback job at the Division I-2A Northern Iowa College until his fifth year. He was a fifth-year starter. From there, he went undrafted but was signed as a free agent by Green Bay in 1994, and soon after, the Packers cut him after the fifth week of practice. The Canadian Football League wasn't interested in him. Then he succeeded for a season in the low-credibility league called Arena Football. He was there for three years. Then he was signed by NFL Europe and successfully led the Amsterdam Admirals. Anybody ever heard of them? Before he finally made the team for the Los Angeles Rams as the third-string quarterback in 1998. In that second year of football, he moved to second string, and he finally got a chance when he replaced injured starter Trent Green in 1999, and he made everyone in the Ram organization look like they were geniuses with his play. Warner, the 28-year-old no-name backup, catapulted to stardom in the NFL, and that year, the same year where he started, got that break. The very first year, he, he drove the St. Louis Rams offense to a Super Bowl victory and collected MVP honors along the way. Over the ensuing decade, Warner captained two other teams to the Super Bowl, registered another MVP season, and threw for more than 200 career touchdowns. And now there's a lot of talk about him going into the Hall of Fame. 
He's retired, but they're talking about Hall of Fame honors now. Way back in the early days when he was working at that grocery store, Warner was confidently telling people that he would make it in the NFL. He was working out during the day and working at the night in the store, trying to stay in shape for his opportunity. Where did his confidence come from that he was going to make it? In October, that Super Bowl year, Warner said this, a lot of people say all this is impossible, but as long as I have God on my side, everything is possible. He continued, when you see all the steps along the way that helped me get to this point, well, it wouldn't be how I'd write my own script, but it's exactly what I needed to get me to the point where I am now, both as a person and as a player. God had a path for his life. God has a path for your life. His path wasn't what he was, would have chosen, but it was perfectly in the will of God. When we surrender and we confidently move from the place of, I fight from victory, not for it. I know who I am in Jesus. I know that he loves me. What I do today, wherever I am, is good with me as long as it's in his will. That's a good place to be. That's where this guy was. Then, when we trust the Lord as we follow that plan, there will come a time where if it's his will and he's planned it, he'll launch us in a way that we wouldn't have imagined after the path that he's taken us. Kurt Warner brought a lot of glory to the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you remember, but the year in 1999, and if you're a Ram fan, you, you need to remember because you haven't had a lot of good memories <coughs> recently. <coughs> but at that Super Bowl in 1999, out, right out there in the field on national television world really watching, he raised the Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi trophy, and he said this, Thank you, Jesus! And everybody in the stadium starts clapping. Early days, I'm sure he had moments of discouragement that were hard, even though he felt the Lord was with him. So when it comes to your path, Isaiah 55, 8 is a scripture we need to think about often. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He was taking Kurt through a process to build him, so when he brought him out of that process, he would have complete trust in the Lord and bring glory to God. And he takes us. He's not just tearing down walls. He's more interested in just knocking your problem away. He's building you up. He's strengthening you. He's preparing you to minister. He's preparing you to bring glory to his name. And he's putting treasures of wisdom in your heart. He's building you, not just tearing down walls. Kurt can help some people who go through trials because he went through some. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, what a wonderful God we have. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort that God has given us. He's dropping some things in your heart that are really going to help some people as you go forward. So, I say this, it comes from his word, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make the path straight.